You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, it's Bilal Vakani at BilalV87 on Twitter and Instagram. AW Dynamite wastes Jake the Snake's reveal. The show opened with Hangman Page, not really willing to pick a partner for the main event. He sort of joked about Nick Jackson or his brother Matt, but it's a secret, sort of like that Stonecutters episode. We then had Cody Rhodes taking on Ortiz. Partway through the match, Jake the Snake walks through the crowd with his big reveal. It's Lance Archer, or at least JR has to tell me, because I have no clue, and they just sit down during the match. They don't attack after. They don't say anything. Partway through this match, you see Jake the Snake, and who you find out is Lance Archer. They sit down. There's a couple cutaways of them somewhat interestedly looking at the match and that's it that is it that is the big reveal i could list for you i will list for you all the ways this could have been better lance archer could have been hangman page's partner tonight turned on him and been a heel lance archer could have been revealed as the leader as the exalted one for the dark order lance archer could have been introduced by jake roberts in the middle of the ring lance archer could have attacked Cody Rhodes out of, you know, after this match. And I could go on and on and on. This is basically the worst way you could introduce Lance Archer, short of him, you know, tripping through a wall like uh, Tugboat did all those years ago with that Stormtrooper helmet. We had Santana and Brandy get involved in this match, which, by the way, was happening. Santana attacked uh, afterwards because of Coast, of course, Cody Run. I can't even say it. Uh, Arn and the Buck made a save, and, and uh, the, the Young Bucks, I should say, along with Kenny, who isn't healthy enough to team with Hangman Page. He's got the bad arm, but he's in the ring here. Okay. Jericho, a Swagger, Sammy Guevara all appeared on the big screen. In two weeks at Blood and Guts, They and they threw in a lame swear word here, uh, they're going to have some match with these guys. This is probably the War Games. It isn't called War Games for legal reasons. Again, there's the lame swear. They attacked Nick Jackson. Uh, this was just gross. He was bleeding profusely from the mouth and was crushed by the garage door. Oh, man. And we came back. Nick's getting in an ambulance. And I guess Cody's got a waiting car to go see him in a couple of minutes. That doesn't seem realistic. We then got Bree Priestley, who I legitimately forgot worked for AEW. And it looks like she stole... Hardcore Holly's attire from when he was a race car driver, that character. She was teaming with Nyla Rose against Chris Statlander, who I've already gotten bored of her gimmick. They haven't done anything new with it. And Hikaru Shida, who I still haven't really learned how to pronounce her name because she has no character. There was a great stare down at the start of this match. Statlander looking at Nyla Rose, the, the champion who she wants to take down. Hikaru Shida staring at Nyla Rose. She wants that belt. Nyla Rose stares back. And Brie Priestley is got her back turned to all of this. She doesn't care. She doesn't care. And it's on camera on national TV. And uh, that's pretty inexcusable. Especially how this match goes. Because I didn't really pay much attention to it. But Nyla Rose wins. And then Priestley attacks her. I don't know how this mid-20s rookie... Uh, I know she's not a rookie. But youngster uh, takes down Nyla Rose. This is apparently the AEW title feud. Why this wasn't Britt Baker and sort of turned into a triple threat or something or a fatal four-way, I have no idea. 
Uh, this is terrible. This is terrible. You want to see B Bree Priestley, who I forgot was on this show and is stealing Hardcore Holly's race car gear. Uh, this young, unproven superstar taking on Nyla Rose, who's uh, neither of these women have any charisma. They barely have any character. Uh, barely invest in either of them. Nyla's had the title for all of four weeks. Do you think Priestley's going to take it off her? No. Who cares? Unbelievable. Christopher Daniels then did a Dark Order parody, which in and of itself is a great idea, but this was incredibly lame. It was self-serving and just poorly put together and not in a fun, kitschy way in a they-couldn't-do-better-if-they-tried way. Uh, and then he challenged Uno and Grace into two singles matches because you know this is going to be stretched out. Oh, man. And there's more on this later. Uh, and, I, uh, you know, I'm part of the idea was that Christopher Daniels, you know, said there wasn't a Dark Order in this same show they announced. Or sorry, he thought there wasn't an Exalted one. They announced later in the show that the Exalted one would be on Dynamite next week. What? How, how do you have Christopher Daniels in hour one saying there is no Exalted one and in hour two next week tune in for the Exalted one? Like, this is bad enough as a promo. And then he's just saying something that's probably not true. And we know that as fans, but then don't do this when you're going to announce it next week, especially since the storyline has gone on forever. You've had all the weeks before this to do this, and it's just stupid. The Butcher, The Blade, and MJF teamed up to take on Jurassic Express. And I have to admit, I like these characters a lot, so I can look past some potential botches, and I quite enjoyed this. MJF did steal this match with a Fujitsu armbar. Oh, I'm sorry. Fujitsu was the laptop my dad used to have. That's a Fuji, uh, Fuji bar, armbar, or whatever it's called. Um, and this was a very good finish because it really, really felt like Jurassic Express had earned the victory here. And MJF just slides in with a little backhanded armbar and got the win. And I was legitimately upset at him. Perfect. Darby Allen uh, had a Sammy Guevara paper mask. And we got a video where he was dragging a body bag with a Sammy Guevara prop or whatever in black and white with his truck, which I'm sure is his truck, and that was it. This is really nothing, and I get that there's an aesthetic to Darby Allen, and I love his entrance music. I probably listen to it once a day, and I think he's a great worker. I don't know how much mileage there are in these dark promos. It's kind of like the pack thing where he started doing promos, and he realized this guy's quite a bit better just being in the ring and, and not just doing goofy things. And I think this might be another case of that. Tony Schiavone interviewed Britt Baker again. I've lost track of how many times we've seen this. She had a coffee with her again. And I wrote a lot of this down because I, I can't believe how lame this was after so many attempts. She ripped the host city, obviously. She made a joke about how they can't drink in Utah, which I assume is a dry county law. I don't know. It wasn't clear. She ripped BMI and oral health. Old, you know, the BMI, I guess, is a different word. But this sort of stuff she's all done before, and you know, not that original. This is just Isaac Yankum given a chance, essentially, but a woman. She made a comment about how people have similar faces. It seemed like a cop-out of an insult. She then gave an uh, inspirational speech about bad jobs. Although I think a lot of those bad jobs actually pay pretty well. Maybe not the dental assistant, but the plumber pays pretty well. So this kind of didn't work for me. I can see what she's doing. I like the idea, but it just needed to be sharper. She said she was going to be a role model and basically just became Bailey. She had no comeback for Chance of You Suck. At this point, it just felt like a robot was just gurgitating out these lame lines that a writer room uh, had put together. And then Big Swole, thank God, she showed up. Um, 
she said that she pointed out that Britt Baker hid behind Tony Schiavone. Swole said that Tony didn't even like her, which is probably true and a fair criticism that I can't even believe nobody's had the guts to bring up over the last month or so. Britt references Big Swole's boyfriend, who I forgot was Cedric Alexander. I doubt casual fans picked up on this. And then Swole said she was married, baby, an obvious reference to Adam Cole, who is dating Britt Baker. But I don't know how obvious this has been made in AEW again for casual fans. And then Baker throws a coffee in her face and runs off. Meh. We then had the Death Triangle, which debuted with an awful, awful mix of entrance songs. Have they learned nothing from WWE? Mixing Pack song and the Lucha Bros, or just remixing the Lucha Bros song. Whatever this was, it just didn't work for me. The Pyro is great. These guys are very menacing. Um, but the music, and I don't like the Lucha, Lucha Bros song to begin with. This was the time to just give them Pax music. It's all you had to do, and you screwed it up. They were going to face Private Party and Joey Janela. Uh, I want to quickly shout out the Pitcher and Pitcher, which JR called for, which did not happen in Canada. Did it happen in your country? Tweet me at BilalV87 on Twitter. And more importantly, tweet AW and tell them to stop telling you they're going to give you Pitcher and Pitcher and simply not deliver as they do with most most things. I will say, this company, this company, they need a, I don't care if you call it a triples championship, a trios championship, a freebird championship, but they need a title for three-on-three teams yesterday because I went into this match not expecting anything from Private Party and Joey Janela. Janela, that, that rivalry with Kip Sabian kind of fell apart. Private Party has looked very green. But the, the team-up spots they had and the triangle had were excellent. Uh, we, the triangle, of course, got the win. They were attacking after, but the best friends made the save. This is exactly what I want to see. And I need a belt. I need a triples belt. I need a trios belt. I need all those belts. One of them, give it to me. Lindsay Narr, I finally learned her name, was interviewing Dustin, who she pointed out, had apparently gotten dressed in his wrestling gear. So I can only assume she's stalking him or has a camera in the men's locker room or just casually noticed that Dustin went from, I guess, wandering around the backstage area to wandering around dressed as a wrestler with the face paint. And he made it clear he was going to tag with Hangman. He said some swear word. I can't even tell what it was. And uh, that killed all the excitement for the main event because it's the most obvious by-the-books answer you could probably have. They then played, and I kid you not, if you didn't see this, the video submissions for Tully's tag team partner. If you didn't know, Tully Blanchard, who is managing Sean Spears, and I've interviewed Tully, he's a great guy, they're looking for his tag team partner, and they failed with the AEW roster, so the roster is so thin, they are going to YouTube, and as soon as they said this, I knew this was going to be bad, but I was not prepared for the lackluster applications they had most of them off people's phones shot vertically like an instagram story obviously none of these people think they're going to be on tv because they shouldn't be on tv and simon miller about the only person with an acceptable video in this entire group and the only person i've ever heard of you know maybe there was dark stark or someone or tony stark i don't know i was like listen Here's my advice to AEW, because I know somebody out there is listening. You do this with Simon Miller. 
And I don't care how this goes. I don't care if Simon Miller and Sean Spears are the greatest tag team ever or the worst tag team ever. This angle ends with Simon Miller. He and Sean Spears either need to get along or it needs to blow up. This is a disaster. This is exposing how marginal and small AEW is. And you might get in the comments section. You might tweet me at Balavi87 and tell me how much you love AEW. Well, I got news for you. There's only about a million of you in the world. And that is not a lot of people. That is a lot of people for a Wednesday night new show. Yes. And enough money to get a new, enough people to get a new deal from TNT. Yes. But is that enough people in the world to have a contest like this and get good applications? No. Absolutely not. And this is an embarrassment. Once they got the submissions, they should have known better. They should have not put them on TV. They just should have rolled Simon Miller out there next week. End of story. This was embarrassing. A complete waste of television time for guys we will, I hopefully, not see again. Honestly, I do not want to see any of those people again except for Simon Miller. That was embarrassing. Some of these guys may be professional wrestlers, but to, to not be able to even have the, the general sense to shoot this in a 16 by 9, you know, just to flip your phone. Fine, do it on your phone. It's 2020. But shoot it in a way that it would appear decently on TV. Just, like, at least in the right aspect ratio. Like, this is the problem with Dynamite. They look past the basics of broadcasting and entertainment, and they just hope that you love wrestling enough to look past this, and it's simply not enough. And it's embarrassed. I'm embarrassed I watched this. And I'm embarrassed we're talking about it. We found out after this, because my god, do we need to switch gears. We will get the best friends in the triangle next week. Uh, Six-man tag between the inner circle versus the elite for an advantage in whatever match they're having at Blood and Guts, I presume. The exalted one will finally be revealed. And then they, after this, threw out all the rules of Blood and Guts. And it was done with the graphic. And I, I just, I don't care. This is so, I, I just, I couldn't even be bothered to understand this match. How do you not, if there's going to be a cage, show me the cage. Why not have Brandy or somebody, uh, Brandy, MJF, have somebody in this cage, and that's, MJF's not the best idea, explain this match to me. And obviously it's because they don't have the cage. But, but you, you're not exactly moving at light speed here. Plan this stuff better. Moving on. John Moxley did an interview with good old Jim Ross. They're, they're, you know, the gym is good at these, but they're really overdoing this. Uh, he was medically ruled out, and he was sort of talking to that, which was fine. It was all good. His house is nice, blah, blah, blah. And then he focuses on Hager, not Jericho, not Cavera, not the Santino Ortiz, but Hager. The guy who was, you know, I guess he put you through a table last week, but the guy who's said the least bad things to you from the inner circle, the guy who's probably had the least physical altercations with you, He's the guy you want to go after? I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't care. I don't expect anything from this. The main event, and I say that loosely with AEW, was Chris Jericho and I think Sammy Guevara, I can't even remember now, taking on Hangman Page and Dustin Rhodes. Of course, Page lost. The Inner Circle attacked after. That was your main event. Honestly. What else can I tell you about this match? It was boring. Shouldn't have been a main event. They should have had somebody else be the partner. You gotta be kidding me with this. You gotta be kidding me. This is the best you can do. Hangman Page. Teaming up. 
Well, Dustin Rhodes, because he tells us he can team up with him. To take on Jericho and Guevara, who we just we've seen too much in this capacity. And I get that there's going to be the five-on-five five match, and I assume these two guys will be a part of it. Because you look at it, you got the five guys in the inner circle. <laughs> five guys. I can't believe that's not a joke somebody's written on this show. You've got Dustin. You've got Cody. You've got Hangman. And then either Omega or some combination of the Bucks, depending on who's healthy. And that's it. And I just... I, I, I'm at a bit of a loss, to be honest with you. Because, yeah, you can push Cody off with Archer that week and you could bring in Kenny Omega or both Bucks. But... This did very little for me. You know, especially at the end of two hours, you really want to fire your best shot. And this was not it. And I'm very I'm very disappointed with this episode of Dynamite, you know? Last week, Casey Corbin uh, was on. He, he enjoyed the show. Uh, Casey's a much more positive guy than I am. You know, and I thank him for covering me on the podcast. But this was pitiful. And again, I haven't seen NXT in Canada because I do it the legit way on Thursdays. But I can't imagine, I cannot imagine that I will be this disappointed in NXT. You can tweet me at Bilalv87 on Twitter and Instagram. If you actually like AEW, come at me, bro, or broette, because I think you're dead wrong. This is terrible. I hate this show. I, I, I don't do these podcasts because people react to it. But I hate this show with a passion. Uh, a passion I have not hated anything in my life. But this show needs a lot of help. And the only way the only way it's going to be saved is if somebody makes the call to Cody. And he, he, I sit down with Cody and I tell him what to do. Because they have had a lot of time to get this right. And they've failed miserably as far as I'm concerned. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.